0: Welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast, Episode 25. This is the 200
1: Churches Podcast, created to provide resources and encouragement to leaders of the 94 percent of
0: congregations in America under 500 members. Now, here are two gentlemen that lead in a 200 church and strive to provide information that will make you smile, think, and be challenged.
1: Oh, and they're all around nice guys, Jeff and Johnny.
2: Thanks for tuning in to the 200 Churches Podcast today. I'm Johnny Craig, as usual. Uh, I'm here with Jeff Katie. Hi, Johnny. And today we have a special guest with us, Jeff. Uh, this. This actually a guy who reached out to you
0: about being on the podcast, so I think it'd be best if you introduced him. Well, Greg Atkinson is a writer. He's a speaker. He's a consultant. He's even right now a campus pastor at Forest Park. It's a multi-site church based in Joplin, Missouri. He's at Forest Park Carthage. as a campus pastor. He has started businesses, including the worship resource website, Worship House Media, it's, he started a social media marketing company, he's even involved in his own consulting firm. And as a consultant, Greg here, has uh, he's consulted with some of the largest and fastest growing churches in the country. His latest writing project is his e-book called Church Leadership 101. Johnny, I think you're going to need to read that. I would love to read that. That sounds great. a page paper at yeah, midnight. for okay. sure. And that's been downloaded uh, by by like 25,000 people around the country. So uh, Greg has written extensively in the areas of ministry and leadership, worship, especially social media. Greg, you're going to be a speaker at something called WFX in October in Dallas, Texas. Tell us what that is.
1: Uh, WFX is a uh, conference uh, that's based off of uh, the the magazine, Worship Facilities Magazine, and Church Production Magazine, those two magazines, same people, put this conference on. And it's a, uh, a conference for pastors, executive pastors, uh, worship leaders, tech directors. They have tracks for pastors, leaders, people who are over facilities and building projects and several things. I'm going to be speaking in the leadership track.
0: So it's like a techno geek conference.
1: <laughs> yeah, but there's a lot more business type People there than you would expect
0: uh, because it's
1: it's a lot. A lot of executive pastors and senior pastors go there, especially if they're coming up on a building project.
0: That's cool. And then later on in October, you're speaking at something called Turnaround 2020. In uh, in Nashville, tell us about that.
1: Yeah, uh, that's a, a conference uh, that's kind of based off the TED model. They're going to have twenty speakers speaking twenty minutes each. Uh, we're talking about turnaround churches, and um, they have people like Ed Stetzer and Nelson Cersei and Tom Rainer, and just people that talk about turnaround of churches. And and since our church has gone through a little bit of a turnaround, uh, I was invited to speak, and so. I'll be sharing the story of Forest Park, and then specifically Forest Park, Carthage, where I pastor. And I'm looking forward to it. It's being held in the Lifeway building there in downtown Nashville.
0: My daughter just moved from out of Nashville, and when we would go to visit her, I would see that place when I went over to get those little burgers. What are they called? Uh, White Castle? White White Castle. Castle. Are you going to get some White Castle while you're there?
2: I usually
0: do. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay. (laughs) That's another subject altogether, though, right? Um, Yes. And then uh, uh, when you do the turnaround deal and it's 20 minutes each, you watch out because Ed Stetzer, he's going to try and take one of your minutes. He will definitely. Ed Stetzer will definitely try to steal some 21 to 19, so I would watch out for that. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. hey, we wanted to talk today to you about uh, how to turn around a messy 200 church and you've been at your church now for a couple of years and it is a multi-site church and it's one of those dot tv churches how's that going for you it was
1: good uh, actually forestpark.com wasn't available so we uh since we're multi-site we decided to go with .tv, which uh, a lot of multi-site churches use because of the video teaching concept and so
0: and life it's, church it's too
1: yeah, That's yeah. Cool. Life Church was kind of the uh, pioneer in the dot TV, and then a lot of churches have followed suit.
0: Now, Monday of this week, I, I put out, I think, what was it, 17 clues that you might be a messy church. Tell us about some of the messiness maybe at the church that you got to.
1: Well, there was a lot of uh, lack of trust. I was the third campus pastor in three years, and our campus was only three and a half years old. And so uh, when I came in as the third campus pastor in three years, they were a little gun shy. They were a little nervous. They didn't know how long I was going to stay.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so I had to immediately start casting a vision for long term ministry and that we were planting roots and our family was here to stay. Um, there was also lots of lack of communication, gossip, things like that, and um, just had to really start bringing some some strong leadership and vision casting into the mix, and I, I just want to say up front, I don't have all the answers. I'm just I can just share what God's doing here at a church in Southwest Missouri. But
0: well, we're going to wrap up the podcast at this point because <laughs> we expected you to have all the answers.
1: <laughs> no, no, I, I can just share what God's doing here, but uh, Absolutely. I don't claim to know it all.
0: What are some of the things that you did when you got there? That I mean, you said generally some things, but but practically speaking, what are some what are, what are some of the first things that you did? Uh, with the folks that were in ministry leadership at the church,
1: sure, well, when I got there, like I said, the church was uh, a little shaky, it was a little rough. It had uh, dropped down to about uh, one forty uh, after uh, launching bigger. It had just gone through lots of uh, transitions in leadership, and so I came in and hadn 't been a consultant before that, the two years before I came to Forest Park. I was a full-time consultant, and so I immediately went into evaluation and assessment mode, and I started looking at it as if I was coming in as an outside consultant and what was weak, what needed to change, what needed to be fixed, uh, what did we need to stop doing. I'm a big believer in the simple church philosophy and the simple church book. And so the areas that I found that uh, needed the most attention, number one was our kids' ministry. And we all know how important children are to uh, to our church. And uh, so I started addressing kids ministry and I ended up hiring a part time uh, kids pastor who uh, was uh, in the church. Uh, I always try to look within first. Second was our worship. Our worship was kind of average. It wasn't uh, what I had dreamed and what I was hoping for. And, you know, my background is in worship. I used to be a worship pastor. And so I I knew exactly what I was looking for. And so
0: were you tempted um, to just take over?
1: No, no. I I know those worship leading days are over, but I knew (laughs) I knew what you know, what could be done and that we weren't reaching our highest potential. And so. I ended up—and it's a whole other conversation about how we get to this point—but I I ended up talking our leadership into—our senior leadership team into allowing me to transition that position and and hire a full-time worship pastor, the guy to be my right-hand guy, the only other full-time staff member. And so I did a a nationwide search— Got in over a hundred resumes. I actually blogged about it. You can find it on my website. I blogged about what to look for when looking for a worship pastor. What what is your
0: What is your website? um, It's gregatkinson.com. Oh well, that's an easy one.
1: I did a blog called "What to Look For When Looking for a Worship Pastor," and I talked about uh, since I know worship and I know that that area. You know, here's what I was specifically looking for and it got posted around several places and a lot of people use it in their worship leader search. But So we addressed that, we found a great guy. He was a part of a North Point Strategic Partner Church, uh, another church that used video teaching and was used to that model and uh, hired him after I had been at the church for about eight months. The other thing that was weak was our first impressions and honestly, it's still a work in progress. We actually had a meeting yesterday with somebody about our First Impressions team, looking at a, a lay leader taking over that area and trying to make improvements there. We've made little improvements all along the way. We started a parking lot team who greets people out in the parking lot and helps them find a place to park. And they're out there in the neon vest and um, directing traffic. But we, we've we we've been working uh, little by little at improving our First Impressions. But kids' worshiping First Impressions were really the the three that stood out to me and so I started putting some giving them some my focus and attention
2: you mentioned that the uh, the campus at that point was only about three and a half years old, um, but you've done some consulting, so I'm sure you've uh, encountered this. A lot of 200 churches you know, have those areas where they're messy, where they're weak and need to be changed. Pastors and leaders can sometimes get a lot of friction right, when they want to step in and, and make some changes that maybe need to be made. There's, there's a lot of friction from people who, who have attachments to the way things have been done in the past. And at a campus that was three and a half years old, I'm not sure if you encountered much of that, but what what would you say to those pastors who are out there thinking, yeah, uh, I have a messy church with some things that need to be taken care of, but I know I'm going to get some resistance?
1: It's the same thing I say everywhere I speak. Uh, just uh, last month, I was at Moody Bible Pastors Conference speaking to pastors, and I was teaching on my book, Church Leadership 101, just some of the basics of church leadership, and I found myself over and over saying Leadership is not easy. Leadership is not easy, and so it takes a lot of a lot of guts and a lot of determination and intentionality to be uh, a leader in the church. And so um, I say that to say there's no easy answers. You're going to have friction. You're going to have tension. You're going to have disagreements you're going to have people get upset and leave the church uh, we're called to lead uh not to dictate not to rule over people in a in a in a bad way but but if we uh, cast a vision and know which direction we want to go and it's in in accordance with uh, with scripture and with the overall vision of the church, then we've got to lead our people in that direction.
0: Now you are in the Southern Baptist Convention, correct? correct. you know when Johnny and I started two hundred churches' uh, podcast back in January, in fact, congratulations, you mark our six months of podcasting here with really it's episode twenty six because there's an episode you know zero zero. And when we started, I said, you know, our purpose was to encourage. Pastors in smaller churches in churches you know pretty much two fifty and under um, and and pastors that are in churches of fifty and twenty and seventy five just to come alongside those pastors i've been there i was I remember a Sunday morning when we had nine people in church and one Sunday morning when we had you know seventeen and eighteen and and those can be discouraging times and they can be lonely times. Our purpose is to really encourage pastors that no matter what size their church, they're making an impact, and their leadership matters in the kingdom of God. And when Johnny and I first talked about this, I said, you know, we're probably going to have a lot of Southern Baptist church pastors just listening to it, because there's a lot of Southern Baptist churches. How many congregations are there in America right now? I do not know. I'm thinking like it's over 40,000.
1: Yeah, it's up there.
0: And so you've got a lot of churches in remote places where pastors just need some encouragement. And so you talked about, you know, taking a, uh, I was going to say taking a tough stand. That's not really what you said. You know, you said to be intentional, to know where you're going and to to proceed there. Talk to us about the tension between uh, having to make a decision that you know could possibly really stretch somebody to the point where you feel like it might stretch them too much. And then making a decision that you know you need to make just because it's right for the church and and how do you how do you navigate those things
1: uh, it's a lot of prayer uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about is just uh, something I actually preached on uh, last week we had a a night of worship which we do once a quarter which is a vision casting night and a night of worship prayer and communion and um, I usually do uh, a special message to our core that come out to, to those each quarter. And I talked, the whole message that I preached was on prayer and that we need to be a people that are desperate for God and dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And anytime you have tough decisions that come up, you have to be dependent upon God. He has to be your strength, your source, your guide, um, where you get your direction from. Sometimes you have to trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. You have to you have to totally be obedient to him if, if you feel he's leading you in a certain direction. I think about the Catalyst Conference years ago I went to where the, the theme was the tension is good. And Annie Stanley talked about there's sometimes tension that just can't be resolved. It's always going to be there. When I came here early on, I uh, like I said, I'm a big believer in Simple Church and our leadership is as well. Our leadership previous to my arriving had gone through the Simple Church book and restructured the church to be a simple church. That was helpful. Yeah, that was helpful. And then I, when I arrived, because of the lack of leadership before I came here and them being in transition without a campus pastor, there was a ministry that had sprung up that did not fit under the simple church model. And so I had to address that. And I had to, after months of praying and seeking God, I had to uh, have a sit down talk with the leader of that ministry and and kill that ministry. You know, s- stop that ministry. And the, uh, the thing about it is this, uh, this guy who's leading the ministry was the biggest giver in the church and uh, it was a real test of my faith and trust in God. Uh, and I talked with our, our lead pastor as uh, and I, I ran everything by our lead pastor. Um, before I made decisions and before I did stuff. And I said, you realize this guy can leave our church and we'll take a huge hit. And he said, you, you, you've got my support. Do as God leads you. And so uh, we made the decision to, uh, to stop that ministry. The, uh, the man who led it is still a part of our church, still a leader here. Uh, we still meet regularly. We get along fine Uh, We've gained respect for each other. It was tough early on because he didn't know me that well and uh, it wasn't received very well. But now that our church is growing and healthy and we've more than doubled in size and he sees God moving, uh, I've kind of earned his trust and respect and we're able to move forward and and work together.
0: Now, can you imagine if you had not made that decision exactly because this guy was a big giver?
1: Yeah, I feel like I would be disobedient and not putting my trust in God. You know, I, I believe that I, I treat people the same regardless of what they lead. I mean, what they give. And the truth is, most people know about me. I spend more time, one-on-one time with the poorest of the poor people in our church than I do the wealthy of our church. I, I'm trying to to pastor and shepherd people, and I do a lot of meetings and a lot of counseling and it's usually with very poor people in our church. They can't give anything at if they give anything at all. And so, God knows my heart. Uh, I'm not I'm not swayed by money. But I, there was another thing that happened recently where we lost uh, a big giver, a guy who was a doctor, and disagreed with the decision I made. He did not handle it well. He, he sent some very nasty emails and got very rude and uh, did not leave nice at all, but that happens. People are going to leave your church.
2: I want to change gears just a little bit. We had talked earlier about just the different things we are going to talk about together, and what you talked about was uh, turning your church into an externally focused church, and Jeff and I have done a podcast about that in the past, and that's a desire we have for our own church here, um, something that we're constantly, I guess, working toward. That's the type of thing where I suppose you never really truly arrive. What is the importance of becoming an externally focused church? And then what are just some ways, practical steps that you took uh, to make your church into an externally focused church?
1: Yeah, great question. From day one, actually from the interview process, uh, when I spoke to the church uh, before they even uh, extended the call to me, I um, talked about us being an externally focused church and I pointed to the walls and said, we've got to get outside these walls and we've got to reach people that aren't here. Mm -hmm. And um, I talked about the kind of church that we were going to be. And um, our lead pastor is highly evangelistic and has an evangelistic heart. And so we get along really well. We both had that in common. Um, He gives me total freedom to lead however I want to lead here at our campus But uh, we're in the same uh, heart because we both are highly evangelistic. And so at our church, because we're a simple church model, the way we're structured and the way our strategy is, uh, something people hear me say every week is uh, we worship, we grow, and we serve. And I'll stand up front and I'll say at Forest Park, we worship, we grow, we serve. We worship here in a large gathering. We grow in smaller gatherings called life groups. And then we serve in the church and the community and around the world through mission trips and so we have this focus on basically three things that we do we worship we do small groups and then we serve and so here recently i have switched my focus when i came like i said i focused on kids and worship and first impressions and i gave them a lot of focus and attention and energy and now that those are up and running and doing a lot better I am now focusing my attention on pouring into my staff, sure. into my lay leaders. Uh, I'm real big, every ministry I've ever served, I've had a lot of lay leaders and I've always built leadership teams comprised of lay leaders in every ministry I've served, whether I was a worship pastor, a tech pastor, or now as a campus pastor. And so we have a leadership team, but I have a lay leader who's overgrown and I have a lay leader who just started, who's over And we've had several meetings about things that we can do outside these walls in the community, things that we can do um, to make our presence known in the community and to be externally focused. And so one thing that we announced Sunday that uh, uh, we're organizing right now is we're doing a free car wash on Saturday, July 20th in our church parking lot. And there will be signs held up that say free car wash and another sign that says no donations. We're not doing it to raise money. We're not doing it for anything except to serve our community and just to raise awareness about our church. And so uh, we expect to be able to serve and and, uh, meet several people in our community. But we have a lot of other things that we do as far as uh, school partnerships and uh, a crisis center uh, ministry that we partner with. I've met with the uh, the mayor, the police chief, the fire chief. I'm friends with all those guys. I do a lot of stuff with the chamber of commerce. We do a lot of stuff outside the church. That's one of the, the benefits I have to not preparing a sermon every week. Being a campus pastor is that I'm constantly out in the community meeting with people. I do a lot of meetings and a lot of appointments.
0: And so, um, that's awesome. I, did you grow up there in Joplin?
1: No, no, I'm not from here.
0: Okay, so you had to meet all these folks. You, you Yeah, I okay. met them for the
1: first time. And again, I go back to my favorite word, intentional. I had to be intentional. I picked up the phone. I called these people. I called the mayor. I called the police chief. I called the fire chief. I called the Chamber of Commerce, and I said, I want to get to know you. And so uh, it takes a lot of intentionality, but um just try to get outside these walls and to get to know people. And so I, I try to spend a good portion of my time outside these these church walls.
2: That's yeah, that's awesome. Um, that's awesome. That's all, I think, stuff that uh, the 200 church pastors who are listening today could uh, take and put into uh, action right away. Uh, I also love what you said about lay leaders, because this the, one of the realities is uh, at a 200 church that you don't have – the financial ability probably to go hire more staff to help you out, right, in these types of areas. So equipping and recruiting lay leadership becomes so, so important for pastors of 200 churches, and especially because none of us wants to be a lone ranger, right, trying to do ministry alone. I mean, we all need to be uh, surrounded by a leadership team. And so what you said about lay leaders, I think that's a great word for 200 church pastors who are listening today.
1: Yeah, and I had, um, you know, that was my experience as a worship pastor and as a tech pastor. I oversaw a lot of volunteer leadership teams and a lot of volunteers. And so in the interview process here, uh, they asked about, you know, me being a campus pastor and overseeing staff. And I told our lead pastor, I said, honestly, I have way more experience leading volunteers than I do paid staff. And he said, that's great. He said, that's what we're looking for. He said, you know, in a small town, small church, you're going to have to lead a lot of volunteers, way more than you will paid staff. And so it actually ended up being a plus that I had more experience with volunteers.
0: You know what, Greg, as as you were talking and how you've got this partnership with the lead pastor, I'm wondering if there are, you know, 180,000 churches out there with membership of less than 75 how many of those churches would benefit from partnering with another church in a similar way, basically being a multi-site, even if that site was, you know, 50 or 100 miles away, for the, for the pastor to be able to be a campus shepherd, a campus pastor, a campus leader, who didn't have to put in that 10 or 15 or 20 or more hours a week preparing that Sunday, that weekend message.
1: Oh, yeah. I have have a lot of thoughts about that. I've actually talked a lot about that, and it's a future book in the works on my thoughts on that.
0: That's going to be another podcast. I'd love to have you back and and talk to you about that because, I mean, you're uniquely qualified to speak into that area because – Uh, You know, you could have one guy who presents the teaching, obviously you know this, but there's going to be guys listening that maybe haven't thought about this, and you can scale that, and you can have a dozen guys out there shepherding their communities and their congregations not having to prepare that message every weekend. And you, you may lose a little bit of the personal touch and the personal knowledge in people's lives. And, you know, that's not 100% foolproof, but that certainly may be a good choice for a lot of congregations now that we have that kind of technological capability.
1: I'm very passionate about that, and I'd love to come back and talk about that more in depth.
0: What would you like to share with the, uh, uh, with the men and women that might be listening in a small church, just to, just to bring some hope and bring some encouragement uh, into maybe a tough ministry, a messy 200 church.
1: Yeah, uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about is uh, something I'm going to be talking about at the Turnaround Conference in Nashville, and that is something I... Uh, we had, a, we had a, a staff retreat earlier this year. I always do one in the early part of the year, January, February each year, and we went away to a cabin, and we planned, and we prayed, and uh, we talked strategy, and one of the things that I showed them was uh, and I have it right here in my office, I look at it every day, is the chart of growth and the chart of attendance for Forest Park since our lead pastor came here 16 years ago. And so it shows 1996, and it goes through 2013, and it shows uh, the, the little bar graphs going up, 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 little by little. And uh, I showed that to our team, and I said, what do you see when you see this? And they said growth or you know, moving up and to the right. And I said, but look deeper. I said, it, what I see is 16 years. What I see is long-term ministry. And one of the things that I talked about and that I'm passionate about is pace. Um, you have to have a kind of mindset that you uh, realize that this isn't going to happen overnight. That hardly ever happens to see explosive growth overnight. But when you have somebody that's been working and pastoring and shepherding and building something important for years and years and years that's when you can see god bless and so something that i started telling our people uh, from the very beginning every time i got the opportunity to preach i preach uh, about every other month but what i what i said is um i'm here for the long haul you know i said my kids are in elementary school now but they're going to graduate from the high school here Um, we have, we have every, we bought our house. Um, we have every intention of staying here for the long haul. And so I talk about pace a lot with leaders and, uh, the power of prayer, being dependent upon God. But one of the things I had to learn when I came to a small town is one of the basic truths of marketing. When I came here, I did a lot of marketing, a lot of advertising, a lot of Facebook ads, which I'm very familiar with. And they work okay, but uh, what I had to go back to is the foundational truth about marketing. I had to learn the hard way in a small town is nothing beats word of mouth marketing. I remember years ago being at evangelism conference at Willow Creek and hearing Mark Middleberg and Bill Hybels talk about the reason that uh, Willow Creek had exploded with growth is because people were inviting people And so at the end of the day, it all comes back to people inviting people. And so I actually have cut all our marketing, all our advertising, all our Facebook ads. I'm saving those dollars and using it for ministry purposes. And I now am just encouraging us to have an invite culture where people invite people. And if a church can grasp that, it can be revolutionary and can really turn around a church. If people get excited about their church— and um start inviting their friends, family, neighbors, and coworkers um, that's that's how you see growth in a church.
0: Well, that's true and and you've got a little bit of a benefit there by being a only a several year old church. You've still got some newness there, and there hasn't been decades of uh of uh, the foundation you know kind of hardening and that's exciting and even there in Missouri, even in Missouri. You can have you can see church growth right in Missouri. Yes, but th-
1: keep in mind Forest Park is a 165 year old Baptist church.
0: Well, yep. Yeah, but but yeah. I think there's only like 2,000 people in Missouri, right?
1: No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you got so really you did a you did a replant. You kind of did a revitalization there right. of the we, church.
1: We got we got younger through multi-site. Right. That's cool. Forest Park is a very old church.
0: Okay. Well, hey, Greg, it's been really good having you on here, and we look forward to staying in touch and getting to know you better in the coming uh, months and years. I look forward to seeing on Facebook the graduation pictures of your kids from Carthage High School. Yes. All right. We're going to hold you to that. Hey, thank you very much for being on and uh, for joining us on the 200 Churches Podcast. Thanks for having
1: me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the 200 Churches podcast. Feel free to give the guys feedback or ask questions at 200churches.com. And remember, the leadership that you provide in your 200 Church matters big in the kingdom of God.